Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody this morning? Yes, amen. What a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord together. We are going to have a great time worshiping and learning today, studying the Word of God together. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up. Can we do that? Praise God. We're going to stand up together and speak some words of faith over the United States of America because we believe that America's coming to Jesus. And someone would say, well, I don't see that. Hey, that's fine because we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. I don't have to see it to believe it when the word of God tells me something. Amen. So let's go ahead this morning and we are going to speak these words of faith together. And I encourage you to say it loud, say it proud, and say it like you mean it. Amen. Let's say this. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what we do around here right now is we take a few minutes to go meet and greet each other. And so what I want you to do is go find somebody, give them a handshake. And if you're affectionate, you give them a nice big hug, okay? Hey, with their permission, okay? With their, anyway, uh, but let's go ahead and go give each other a little love for a few minutes this morning. Amen. Let's go. Your love 
There we go, everybody. All right, <laughs> amen. Did everybody get a little love this morning? Did you at least uh, get a little interaction? Praise God. Well, you may be seated today. Amen. We are going to have an awesome, awesome time today. Well, we got some announcements to go through, so I'm going to let Pastor Katie kind of handle that. But it is an exciting time. Easter's only a few weeks away, and we are going to celebrate big this year. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Mrs. Pastor has quite the information for all us ladies. It's springtime, and it's getting to be busy for us women, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. So she's letting me go first. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord, ladies. You guys can listen in, okay? Our April Lift Women's Meeting is this Friday night. Say this Friday night. 6.30 in Victory. So this is what you need to bring for a food item, a casserole or a salad or a dessert. Now we've got a guest speaker Friday night. It's Liz Nile. You, many of you, if you don't know Liz, you need to know Liz. So come and meet Liz. She's a, her and her husband Dana are missionaries. They're going to be with us the whole weekend. And they travel, I mean, Vietnam where Dana's had to hide in the closet because the commies were showing up, you know, I mean, just, you know, they live a dangerous life. But anyway, you're going to really enjoy seeing them. But this is one I especially want to talk to you about today. Mother's, May is Mother's Day month. And so on Mother's Day, I always do, uh, this year it's going to be mother-daughter luncheon. Last year was mother-son. So I rotate it. Because some of us have sons and we want our sons with us, right? 
And then we have daughters, and we want our daughters with it. So this year is going to be a mother-daughter luncheon. The theme is called Singing in the Rain. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's Saturday. Say Saturday. May 7th, first Saturday of the month, 11 a.m., right here in the main sanctuary. So the cost for this is $12 for 11 to adults. Children 10 and under are $6. Now, the last day to sign up and pay for this is May the 1st, no exceptions. So I'm going to pass out this sign-up sheet, and if you want to go, write down your name and who you're bringing and their age, and then um, you can pay at the info booth today, but I don't have the tickets ready to pass out, but we will get the tickets to you. Wednesday, we'll have the forms up online so that you can uh, pay online if you want to. But anyway, don't miss this thing. It's going to be super, super fun. We go all out at Christmas and all out for Mother's Day, right? Amen. Amen. Ladies, it's busy, but it's a wonderful, wonderful spring. Um, we also have Easter coming up, which is a wonderful, wonderful holiday because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And it's a great opportunity for you to tell others about Jesus because the door is wide open. And Hobby Lobby and Walmart and everywhere has made all kinds of verse signs he has risen. So it's a great open door to talk to people about Jesus. So Miss Leah Mata is going to talk to us about how we can talk to our neighbors in a fun way about Easter. Um, she has shown us a couple of times, so if you haven't seen it before, this is your, your first chance. But if you've seen it before, listen again and make sure you leave with blockers. Oh, over here, yep. Over here. <laughs> All right. I, I think last time I forgot to say who I was, so thank you for saying who I was. I know. Uh, Leah Mata. Anyways, um, so um, back there on the, I heard someone go, whoo, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, back there on the, um, the info booth, thank you, um, is the invitations for our Easter service. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to grab these now because I don't know how many is left back there, okay? I already, I took a stack already, so yeah. You want to grab them now. And back there also are these little um, tags that say, Jesus is risen, tell all your peeps. And at Walmart, and actually I just seen the other day at the 99 cent store, they have some full-size peeps. Don't go half-seas on these, okay, guys? Get the full ones, full ones. Our neighbors deserve the best. And I'll tell you why I said my our neighbors is because what you're going to do is you're going to tape one of these little tags onto a full-size peep. You're going to tape one of our invitations on the back or if you want to just hand it to your neighbor, and you're going to go around to each and every one of your neighbors, and you're going to invite them to Easter service, because we do want to tell them that Jesus is risen. We do want them to know that they are loved. We do want them to know that they could be set free from all the things that they're going through. So let's get out there. Let's invite our neighbors, and let's give them a nice little gift, because when they're eating those peeps, we hope that they sit here and think about, you know, what you, what you told them and about the church. And, you know, maybe if they don't come on Easter, maybe they'll come the week after or something like that. Whenever they're eating those peeps, though, we want them to remember that you invited them to come to church and that you told them that Jesus is risen. But it's just a little fun way. It breaks the ice of you to be able to go to all your neighbors 
or you don't even have to go to your neighbors. You can find a neighborhood and just go to that neighborhood. It doesn't matter. Maybe maybe someone will get two keys. Who knows? Yeah. So, um, but again, those little tags, this and the little tags are up there on the info booth. So go ahead and get your own. They are dollar twenty-four at Walmart, and I think they're ninety-nine cents at the ninety-nine cents store. Sometimes you're not sure. So, and then we have this little guy over here, which my little tag kind of got messed up. But we have this little guy right here, and oh, I forgot the little sign-up thing. It's back there. That's okay. Miss Kathy has it. So for Easter, what I'm asking is if you as a family would like to purchase a plant and take a moment to write some of your favorite scripture verses on it that talk about like maybe your family, maybe a scripture verse that you and your family stand on, or you can decorate it like this, or you can write it on the pot. But I want to, if you guys can get it in a pot, please. And what we're going to do is, um, at Easter service, we are going to have you grab your plant, and we're going to have you go find a new family, one of the new families, not a family that you've seen before, a new family. And we want you to go give that plant to a new family so that you can talk to that family, so you can break the ice with that family, too, so that you, so that we now have uh, created a relationship or even just of your face now they know when they come to Hyder's of Word Center, they know your face, and they will come and find you the next week, and, and they'll feel comfortable. And they'll feel, you know, like, hey, I know someone at that church. So um, we do have a sign-up sheet that is going around. I think they, get, they, they sent it around. So if your family would like to uh, participate in our little plant um, um, giving thing, I don't even have a name for it, <laughs> plant giveaway exchange. Well, we're not exchanging things. <laughs> But if you want to participate in that, please put your family name on there and a phone number that I can contact you at. And I'll be actually contacting you um, this week um, to set up and give you some more details about what we're, how we're going to be doing this. But yes, as a family, if you would like to connect with one of the new families that we are going to have, because I'm, I'm calling it for it's, it's happening. We're going to have lots of new families that day. If you want to be one of the families that connects to one of our new families, please put your name on that list so that we can get you connected with some of those new families. So, yes. Praise the Lord. No, Easter is coming. And it's just such a good time to be able to celebrate and to welcome new families and to bring people to Jesus and help others know the restoration and joy that we have in our life. Praise God. Um, also with Easter, we've got plenty of eggs and lots of candy, just not quite enough candy. So if you can bring in candy this week, that would be awesome. Um, I will tell you that Dollar Tree has some larger packs than what they've had in years past. So if you want to snag some there, you can. You can also buy in bulk at Winco. And Walmart always has lots of Easter candy. So candy, candy. Um, general store today. Sorry to be confused about that. In the same line with kids and giving things to them. General store is today. So if your student is in Victory Hall, they will be going upstairs to this side of the building and getting stuff. They get to use their points. So all of our children's church gets to use points for showing up, for bringing their Bible, for bringing offering, for participating, for good behavior. They earn points, and then they get to buy stuff at our general store. If your child is here for the first time ever, they get to go and get whatever they want out of that whole store. So don't miss it. Okay, there's no puppies upstairs, so don't be alarmed. However, there are like, you know, water guns and slime and things that you just need to talk to Jesus about, okay? So just know we're loving on your kids and you need to praise Jesus for it. Okay, so 
Easter is going to be lots and lots about the kids. They are all singing songs, um, but they're not all doing a skit. We do have a skit going on. For those of you in the skit, sorry, it's a lot of information. We are practicing on Wednesdays, 5 to 6, and on Saturdays, 5 to 7. All of you who have children outside of the nursery, on Saturday the 16th, we're doing a dress rehearsal practice. We all need to come. I will have pizza for you, and we will make sure you have a nice, cozy seat to watch your child practice for two hours. But I need you here, okay? So Saturday the 16th, 5 to 7, we're practicing. Then for all the rest of you who have Saturdays off, 9 to noon the Saturday before Easter, we're setting up for Easter. Because it's going to be big, and it's going to be fun, and you'll have donuts. It'll be great, okay? So donuts in the morning, pizza in the evening, Saturday April 16th. Oh, and by the way, this Saturday, what time does? Nine in the morning. Are there donuts? There's donuts, and you can pack eggs nine to noon. And we'll let you steal a little bit of the candy, okay? Okay. Um, All right, there's that. And last but certainly not least is marriage refresh is coming. Yes. It is last minute. However, it's going to be awesome. So you need to be off work Friday night, the 29th, and off work Saturday morning, the 30th of April. Okay? So whatever you have thought marriage was in times past, and it was fun and it was crazy, this is like that on a new level and catered. Okay. So there is invites at the info booth, and you need, if you're married, you need to get one before you leave. There is a QR code on there where you can sign up and pay and do details and whatever. It is going to be catered, and it's going to be wonderful, and we're going to have the most fun. So if you feel like you really kind of need a date, or if you feel like maybe you don't like each other, this is your thing, okay? And if you've been married a long time and you just love each other and it's wonderful, this is your thing, okay? So come and have a great time with us at the end of April, but ask off now, today, okay? Um, also last but not least, if you spent all Saturday here yesterday and you have worked your tail off to make Jesus property look wonderful, would you please stand up? If you helped at work day, if you have cleaned this property and worked your tail off for Easter, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So we pulled up yesterday. Yes, Raymond. Thank you. I see some of you like, I don't want to stand. There were, this place was crawling with people yesterday when we pulled up. And in case you haven't looked at that boxcar yard, on your way out, it's hidden now. That's for Jesus, okay? (laughs) So we're getting the property up to an excellent standard where we can present it to the Lord for his people. And I'm so grateful for all of you who have cared so much about that. There are so many amazing, wonderful things that have happened that you can see happening. The coffee bar happening, the boxcar yard, the parking lot getting cleaned up, the driveway. Oh, Pastor smoothed out the driveway, everyone. Did you love that this morning? That was wonderful. Pastor's tractor now lives here. And so if you see someone driving on a tractor, don't be alarmed. It's our pastor, okay? It's our pastor. 
So he is taking care of that and does an awesome job at that uh, and is doing other stuff around the property that is amazing too. He's the reason that we still have grass around. So thank you, Jesus, and thank you to all of you for caring so much about that. So I love you all so very much. With all of that said, there's some important people here for the very first time. If you are with us for the very first time, would you please wave your hand at me? We have a gift for you. We love you. We are so glad that you're with us today. Uh, Melissa is going to bring you a gift here, and she will bless you with that. There's some information about the church and a card that if you fill out, we'll get in contact with you. We would love to connect with you and make you a part of this crazy, wonderful family. We love you so much, and we're so glad you're with us today. All right, all right, man. We are busy church right now, man. There is a lot going on, but thank you for uh, sticking with us through all that. Who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it's happy time, and you're like, well, what's that all about? Well, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver, and so we get real happy when we get a chance to give back to the Lord some of what he blessed us with in the first place. Amen? Let's do it. I'll tell you what, after all that, this is an exciting church, isn't it? You know, I bet I had to come farther than anybody. I had to come 2,000 miles to find this church. <laughs> yeah, the Lord sent us here back in 2005 from Indiana, 2005 mile, uh, 2,000 mile uh, move in 2005, and uh, it was worth it. It was worth it. Man, we saw, we saw so much life that could be here. The church has been around for about 50 years now, and it just really goes through a hard time. I look at it now, I look at all these young people, look at what all is going on, I thought, glory to God, that was worth the drive. Amen. So we can come 2,000 miles, you can come 200 if you had to, but aren't you glad we we'll have to go 200 miles to church? So, you know, you know, I remember one time back in Indiana, and it, it's so strange, we, we knew before we were pastors how valuable our pastor was to our church to go to. And so there was a class we got to teach on divine healing. It's been around for a while. You know, that's my specialty is divine healing. Well, we taught a healing school in a 500-member church on Sunday morning, and we had an ice storm one time. And what we lived, about 60, 70 miles, 50, 50 some miles away from church. And church, our, our class started at 9 o'clock. And so we drove on ice, left our house for all the kids ready at 6 o'clock in the morning to be faithful and teach those classes to those sick people. And we got there, and there were people in two blocks from the church. They didn't come. So I said, man, it was icy. We couldn't come. <laughs> wow. Our commitment, our commitment to do the will of God has nothing to do with so many things. When you got at your heart how important church is, whether you're just a member that comes or whatever your position is, this is the most important appointment you have all week long. It's coming out of this anointing. You get answers. You get help. And this morning... As I receive the tithes and offerings, I want you to open up to Mark chapter 11 and hold up your hand if you need an envelope for tithes or for your offerings. And, uh, you know, when we come up to the altar to worship for our tithes after a while, I know that I want to I keep on saying this so you get it. It's so important to be able to get up here and worship with us that even if you tithe online now, do it online, God knows you've already done it. So just come up here with your hands empty because you've already done it online. And just say, Jesus, I want to thank you for all the blessings of being a tither. I want to thank you, Lord. I'm just so so grateful for what you're doing in my life. Come up here, worship anyway. Be a part of it. But uh, I, I'm going to talk for just a just a very short few minutes over the 
tithes and offerings, and there's a reason for that. How many know what our mission statement is? We're here to equip you, to train you for victorious Christian living. I don't know about you, but I got a pickup truck, and I found the cheapest place in town for gas a couple days ago. It stopped at $119. I wasn't even empty. And I heard somebody yesterday at the business meeting talk about how much they spent spent for gas, I think 102 or 112 or something like that. I thought, man, I wish I could have just spent 102. <laughs> Amen. And so what I'm saying is this. What I'm talking about today over the offering is very important for you to be able to be equipped, to be trained, to be able to buy the food at the day's prices that your family really needs to be able to take the vacation you still want to take, to be able to have the money that it takes because what we're going to look at the Word of God, this, this is a training time. So don't just think, well, I wish the offering would get over. I want to do something else. This is going to make the difference between life and death for you this year, money. Amen. Mark chapter 11, I'm going to look at verse 22, 23, and 24. And uh, I've got a King James red letter edition. So these words here are in red, which that means that Jesus is talking to us. How many here believe that Jesus is your Lord, your Savior? Amen. And if Jesus is the most important person in your life, you need to listen when Jesus talks. Because I know that when I, when I met Jesus over 42 years ago to give my life to him, I've always listened to him above all else. And if something else did not agree with Jesus, I chose to agree with Jesus, but not to something else. And then something else had to change. And so Jesus said right here, verse 22, says, Jesus answered, saith unto them, Have faith in the United States federal government. Have faith in the wonderful job you have today. No, I don't know about you. I was chief of the truck driver for a lot of years, and they were good paying jobs back when I was in them, 60s, 70s, 80s. They were good paying jobs. You know what I found out? Sometimes those good paying jobs, whoop, they weren't there anymore. But you know who was still there? Jesus was. And so my faith was in Jesus. My faith was in God. And trucking companies come and go. Your good jobs can come and go. But my faith's in God. How about you? Say, my faith's in God. Amen. And then Jesus told us, told us how we release that faith and how we get our faith to work. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, and I want to point this out every time I teach this. Some people have never heard these things in this verse, and some people have let them slip. Jesus said, whosoever, and so whosoever means me. Whosoever means you. He didn't say, I'm talking to you 12 apostles right here, and so I'm talking to you, Matthew, Mark, John, uh, James, Peter. I'm talking to you. He said, no. He said, you guys, I'm seeing you, but I'm telling you this works for everybody. Whosoever shall say, now you get that say you got to be saying some things. Shall say unto this mountain, I don't know about you, but when I'm driving my truck a little ways and all of a sudden it's $119 time again, that starts getting to be a mountain. <laughs> Amen. Whosoever shall say to this mountain of high gas prices, high food prices, high everything, whosoever shall say unto them, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. When you got born again, Jesus moved into your heart not into your head. Your heart changed. You received the life of God in your heart, not in your head. The Bible says our heads have got to change 
by the Word of God and begin thinking and agree in line with the Word of God. He says, shall not doubt in his heart. And so I want to say this. Faith will always work from your heart even if doubt's in your head. Faith of the heart, not the head. Shall, shall not doubt in his heart. But look at this. Shall believe that those things which he saith, and I circle the word saith, just like I did the word say. Said, shall believe those, those things which he saith, shall believe those things which he saith, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I'm equipping you right now. This is really serious business, guys. This money thing right now for gas and food costs and everything else in life you're dealing with, Jesus said you'll have whatsoever you saith. And that tells me this, as he said, have faith in God. You might want to write this statement down if you've never heard it. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. There's nothing we can do to say, gas isn't $6 a gallon. Gas isn't $6.50 a gallon. Uh, green beans don't cost $10 for a little can of green beans now. We can't say that because it does. But we're going to show you what to say so you can buy all the green beans you need. So you can pay the cost of insurance. I know that I keep getting little uh, things coming in my mail across my email to different vendors I deal with. Uh, we're going to have to adjust the cost out. Beginning next month, this will come out of your account. I thought, wow, the other people already did it this month coming out of the account. Now, these guys are doing it too. Praise God, i got an account with God. Amen. I'm showing you what to do. He said, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And then verse 24, see, verse 23 is talking about your everyday life. And then when you get that part together, then verse 24, you're ready to pray. He said, because you're having what you say, he said, therefore I say unto you what things there you desire when you pray. So you got to get the talking right for it to be a faithful prayer that prays right. Have what shall we say? It says, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So how do you know what you believe and you receive? Verse 23 in your everyday conversation. And then he says, therefore, because you know you're having what you're saying, now you're ready to do some praying. So it's the saying before the praying. And now, the good question for that would be, if I'm going to have whatsoever I say, what am I supposed to say? Somebody was having that question, wasn't they? You think, what am I supposed to say then? We'll go to Philippians chapter 4. I'll show you exactly what to say. And based upon the words of Jesus, not me trying to uh, get you all pumped up with some kind of a fake hope or false faith, based upon the words of Jesus and the words of God, I'll show you what to say. And if you know, if you know the Lord at all, you know that God's not a man that he should lie. He always tells the truth, but the blessings of God, there's always two parts. There's the man part and the God part. God gives us the word. He says, if you do this, then I'm going to open the door for you to do this. If you do this, as in Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 19. But leading up to verse 19, he's talking about being a person that pays tithes to God and a person that supports God's work, missionaries and people who get the gospel out. Everything in life revolves around getting people to heaven. I heard some goofy politician lady on TV a couple days ago talk about all they're going to do to cut off the natural resource in America to save the planet. I thought, what good is the planet going to be if it's saved and you're in hell and you're not saved? Amen. 
We want to take care of the planet. But the most important thing is we want people to go to heaven. And so this verse right here, he talks about sowing into the, the gospel ministry. Then he says, but my God shall supply all your need according to if there's enough oil coming out at the right price. My God shall supply your, all your need if you just go greedy. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so Jesus told us, you'll have whatsoever you say it. And so I want to say this. How many here have ever, I've never done this, but I know people do lift the weights and stuff. You know, do all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I, I work, I do enough work around things I do. I get a lot of exercise. But some people like to jog every day and they build up muscle. Some people lift up weights and they do build up muscle. Well, your faith muscles build when they're challenged. And I will promise you, probably a dozen times this week minimum, there could be somebody to say something to you like, isn't it terrible the price of gas? Why well, just went down? I gave this much now, and last year at this time I gave half that. You're going to hear that every day this week, what they gave. And you know what you need to say? But my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And that's what Jesus said, talked to the mountain, said, you know what you're doing? You're lifting a weight right there for your spiritual muscles. Right then, your spiritual muscles just got challenged. Amen? That's a challenge. When there's people around you, other Christians, and all you're hearing about how bad it is, how gripey it is, Jesus said, you'll have what you say, Tim. Amen. Mike, he said, I have what you say. So when they say those things, it's very easy to say the same thing. We're not denying it, but we're talking the Word of God. The Word of God says, but my God shall supply all of my need. Gasoline need, kid needs, food needs, car repair needs, whatever it is, my faith is in God. And so Jesus said, I'll have what I say. <clears throat> I'm going to say what God says. God said, but he shall supply all of my need. Is this getting into you for training you and equipping you? Because we're in challenging times. I don't want anybody in my realm of influence to go broke. I don't want anybody to get down and out where next time I'm walking up Main Street, I see one of my church members said, I want to see my church members being able to say, here, let me put something in your hand to help you. Man, that's how this whole thing works, amen? Well, let's stand up. And we'll make our financial faith confession. And this faith confession we make needs to be your confession every day. Bits and pieces and lines out of what we're speaking here, they are the word of God. But during the course of your everyday life, when you're challenged, don't respond with doubt and unbelief. Respond with the word of God and faith. And I can promise you, based upon the words of Jesus, all I am is relaying what he said. Based upon the words of Jesus, you will have what you say, and you, you are having what you're saying, so might as well say what God says, hadn't we? Amen. Well, let's say this together, and we'll bring our tithes and offerings up. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive. For better jobs, promotions, raises of bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, 
blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, to meet all my financial needs, that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to advance me to the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Join us up here at the altar and let's worship the Lord together and let's praise him on today for all he's done. That's why we're here. We're here to praise him. Come to the altar. Let's praise him and let's worship him on today. Thank him. attention, all my focus, pushing off the limits, in this moment, I feel your spirit moving, all around me, come and have your way, yes Jesus, I'm looking at these dry bones, you're reviving, this faith inside of my soul, you're igniting, you're calling me to levels that are higher, I can see your face. Let's set our eyes on Jesus. When I set my eyes on you, everything else fades. When I look your way, everything else fades. When I look your way,
raise our hands this morning. Amen. If he's been good to you, let's raise our hands this morning. Amen. Lord, you have been good, and we declare, Lord, that you are nothing but good, and your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thinking of Psalm 23 and verse 6, where it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Amen. There's so many people these days like, man, trouble follows me everywhere. It's like everywhere I go, trouble follows me. Speak.
speak for yourself, homie. Listen to me. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Amen. I don't know what you're talking about. And so I encourage you today. Listen, you need to guard your mouth and watch your words. You need to speak words of faith like we're talking about right here and declare boldly that goodness and mercy, they follow me everywhere I go. I can't get away from the goodness of God. He follows me everywhere I go. And you better know this much, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever if you've got Jesus as your Savior. Amen. And so let's take that in our hearts today. Goodness and mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more shout of praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are good all the time, and all the time you are good to us. Amen. Well, you may be seated this morning or make your way back to your seats there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, who's glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. I'm just like King David. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. And you've picked a wonderful day uh, to be with the people of God. Uh, we, I've, just, I've been excited about this all week long. Uh, you can ask my wife. You can ask my kids. I've been talking about it. I've been studying it. I've been dreaming about it. Because today what we're going to be talking about is a topic and a word called the rapture. And uh, amen. It's going to be, uh, we're going to have a really good time with this. Uh, just a quick show of hands. Who in here has heard of the rapture. Maybe some of you have never even heard this phrase. And uh, what we're going to do is study this out a little bit today, and I'm going to explain what it is in detail. And the scripture really does give us a clear picture of it. First of all, if you did not get an outline for the sermon, you could raise your hand and the ushers will give you an outline. You could follow along and have all the verses and stuff with you right there. And as they're passing those out, I heard this story about the great evangelist Billy Graham. Has anyone heard of Billy Graham? I mean, some people, uh, you know, you would say, uh, you know, Michael Jordan's the go-to basketball. Tom Brady's, uh, you know, the go-to football, whatever. But I'm telling you, when it comes to evangelism, Billy Graham is the man. Amen. No one has ever preached the gospel to more people in person than Billy Graham did. And I heard a story about he was, he was driving through a small town back in the day, back before we had our phones and everything like that. And he was looking for the post office. He was going to mail a letter to his wife and just, you know, say how things were going. And anyway, he couldn't find the post office. So he's driving around this town. He's lost. And he sees a little boy standing on the street corner. And he's like, hey, bud, uh, could you, I'm lost. Could you tell me how to get to the post office? And the little boy, you know, gives him directions. And, and before he heads to the post office, Billy Graham says, hey, you know what? You ought to come out to the football field tonight. I'm going to be telling everybody there how to get to heaven. You ought to come out. And the little boy kind of looked confused. He's like, you're going to tell people how to get to heaven? You don't even know how to get to the post office. What are you talking about? Like, oh, well, anyway, uh, so that's just something, you know, you got to know what you're talking about. Amen. And, of course, Billy Graham did. But what we're talking about today is a very serious topic that, uh, that the, it's called the rapture. Now, someone that likes to debate these things would say, well, the word rapture is not even in the Bible. And I like to point out that the word Bible is not in the Bible either. But I still believe in the Bible. Amen. And so really this word rapture, uh, we, we are using uh, in reference uh, to the Latin word rapturo. 
And uh, the, the Greek word used in the New Testament is harpazo. And what it means is a quick snatching away. Amen. And I don't know if you've ever seen your kid getting ready to touch something hot. What do you do? You snatch them away real quick. Or maybe they're getting ready to do something really crazy and stupid. What do you do? You snatch them before the danger can get them. And what I really believe is there's a, you know, there's a period called the tribulation coming. And that will be danger. But check it out. I believe that our father is going to snatch us up right before that moment comes if you have Jesus in your heart and if you're living for him, which we'll point out here in just a little bit. But this uh, this event, the rapture, uh, this is really what we're heading towards, I believe. If you uh, study scripture, and I'll just, I'll be honest, I don't know everything about the Bible, but I have studied this topic a lot. I'm going to go ahead and say that, that I've spent the last while really studying this out. And so I'm quite confident in my conclusions on a lot of these things. Uh, but this is going to be an incredible moment in time. And why are we even talking about this? Because I know, hey, I've got pastor friends. I've got church friends that they don't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole because it's like, oh, that's controversial. Some people don't like to hear that. And I'm like, hey, the people in Barstow like to hear the truth. Amen? Do the people here, you want to hear truth? You don't want to just hear, you know, cotton candy fairy tales. You want to hear the truth from God's word. And this is a real Bible thing that is going to happen. And I'm so convinced that it's closer than before. Uh, you know, I, I'm not stupid enough to say a, a date, <laughs> but I do know that Jesus clearly said, when you begin to see this happen and that happen and this happen and that happen, be ready. Look to the skies for your redemption draweth nigh. And so many things that scripture predicted have happened especially within the last two years. I mean, it told us there would be uh, a worldwide pandemic. There would be plagues, that, that there would be fear, that there would be this fighting. And, and, and even more specifically, within the last five weeks, Ezekiel 38 and Daniel 11 told us that Russia, you know, Russia wasn't a nation back then, but it called it the king of the north, Rosh. It would invade other countries and get ready to, to team up, which I believe at some point very clearly the scripture tells us, with Iran, who they're already best friends with, right, and that they would team up and eventually uh, try to attack Israel. And I believe that it's happening, and, and it just it shocks me. It shocks me, uh, and I've said this. It absolutely shocks me, the Christians right now that are just, they're, they're not nowhere to be found. <laughs> they ain't paying attention, and it's like you see all these red flags being waved like, hello, it's coming, and they're like, huh? <laughs> they're, they're like a teenager at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. Like, they're, they're nowhere to be found. They're asleep. And I'm telling you, this is not the time to sleep. This is the time to be alert and to be ready. And as, and as Jesus said, your redemption draws nigh. And you're like, well, how, how close is it? Hey, it could be 50 years from now. It could be 10 years from now. It could be by 6 o'clock tonight. I don't know. But I'm not stupid enough to read all the things that Jesus said and to not pay attention. There are red flags and warning signs and fireworks going off everywhere. And I think that a wise Christian would pay attention to that and wake up and be ready for Jesus. And, you know, I, I was just talking to my 10-year-old daughter this week, and she's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I want that rapture to happen. I'm like, you want it to happen, man. It's, there's nothing to be scared about if you're connected to Jesus. It's the most exciting time of our entire lives. I've waited 36 years for this moment. Amen. I'm ready to go. 
But uh, if somebody isn't uh, right with the Lord in their heart, then yeah, of course, it would not be a very great time uh, to, to, to be alive. So anyway, my job today is to encourage you. Uh, I'm, I, I keep saying this every week, and maybe you don't believe me by this point, but I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. I'm not a negative Nelly. I am a positive man. I am a happy man. And uh, and I'm an excited man, uh, but there's some things in here that may rub people the wrong way. And I'm like, hey, it's not me. Just let's read the Bible and let's get on with this thing. But I am here to encourage you today that this moment is coming. It's closer than it's ever been before. And if you have Jesus in your heart, it's all you can do to jump up and down and say, I'm ready, Jesus. Let's go. Let's make this thing happen. Amen. So let's go ahead, and we're going to open up in prayer, and we're going to get right into God's Word today, and it's going to be a fun time. You maybe have never heard anything like what you're getting ready to hear, so pay attention. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you have been kind enough to us to give us an advance warning about all the things taking place in this world today and of the things that are still yet to come. Lord, you told us what to look for, and now it's happening. And so, God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would be attentive today, that we would listen, and that you would show us what we need to see. And, Lord, if we need to make changes in our life, man, help us to shoot our pride down and say, I need to change, and I'm going to do it today. But, Lord, I pray that you would show us what we need to see today. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen today? All right. And so we're going to talk about some things. I thought I would throw this in there that, that a lot of you have heard. Maybe some of you haven't heard. Uh, and somebody would hear some of this and be like, man, that sounds like a sci-fi movie. That, 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 that Bible stole that from a sci-fi movie. No, I think a lot of sci-fi movies probably stole some ideas from the Bible. But the stuff that we're talking about, it may seem like, what? That's in the Bible? And it is super exciting. Yes, it's in the Bible. And by faith, I believe it. And it may seem like I just can't even comprehend that. And there's a lot of awesome things to come that I cannot comprehend. I can't comprehend heaven. I try to. But there's things that I just, I mean, until you get there, you don't know. Amen. I always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon, and people had told me, yeah, it's awesome. And, and finally, uh, Pastor Katie and I went when we were moving to California. And I was like, oh, my goodness, wow, this is better than I even thought. Pictures don't do this justice. I tried to imagine it, but once you actually get there, it's beyond anything that I'd ever seen before. And as cool as that was, heaven is far beyond anything that any person in this room could even begin to comprehend. The scripture says, I has not seen nor has ear heard, nor can the mind comprehend the things that God has in store for those who love him. Let me ask you today, do you love him? You're not just saying that, right? You really do, right? You love him, amen? And so there are things ahead of you, things in your future that I would say would be mind-blowing. That would be off-the-charts incredible that I'm looking forward to. But there's a few things that have got to happen first, amen? And so number one today is this. Number one, Christians will meet Jesus in the air. Christians, there's going to be a time where Christians will meet Jesus in the air. And so I've got a lot of verses today, so I'm going to need you to buckle up and hang on to your seats because we're going to take a wild and fast ride here. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Who's excited? 
Amen. Acts chapter 1. And so what we have right here is the story of when Jesus went back up into heaven. And so he was born into this earth uh, of the Virgin Mary. He lived and died. Amen. He, was, uh, he grew up to be about 33 years old and died on that cross. He was dead for three days. And then, thank God, he rose again. Amen. And, uh, and after he rose again, he was on the earth for 40 days. And, and, you know, you can study about that at the end of the Gospels and stuff. But what we have right here is when Jesus was ascending back up into heaven. And so Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look here at uh, verses 9 through 11. It says, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, all the disciples and everybody, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Who were these men? These were angels. And the angels said, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. Now check out this verse right here. But someday he will return from heaven. How? In the same way you saw him go. And so Jesus, the last that they saw of him, he was in the air going back up into heaven. And the angel said, he's coming back someday. And it's going to be the same way that you saw him go. Right here he was ascending. And then there will be a point in time when we see him descending. And as you'll see, that's going to be an exciting day for a lot of us. And so he will return that same way. But some of these things raise a lot of questions. And so there was a, a, a church in a, in a town called Thessalonica. And, uh, and so you can turn to 1 Thessalonians. That's who Paul wrote these letters to. 1 and 2 Thessalonians were written to the Christian churches of Thessalonica. And these people had a lot of questions about the return of Jesus that probably a lot of us in here have. I get, I get questions all the time. We had our young adults uh, get together on Friday night, and it was great. We got to discuss some of these things and uh, had a lot of good questions and whatnot. Um, now, the, the Thessalonian Christians, they believed strongly in the rapture. They, didn't, they had no beef with that. They were like, yeah, I believe that the rapture is coming. But where they had a lot of confusion is, uh, is like, well, what about, you know, my grandpa that died? Uh, what if he's gone? What's going to happen now? So they had a lot of questions and a lot of confusion regarding what about people that have already died? And I get questions about this a lot. Well, what about so-and-so? Or, or, you know, my loved one was a very common question I get all the time is, I know that it says that, you know, the dead in Christ rise. What about someone that's been cremated? And I'm like, man, if Jesus could have made you from the dust, he can put that dust back together. Amen. I ain't worried how he does it. He's going to do it. So, you know, uh, that's, that's no concern to me whatsoever. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to look here at verses 13 through 18. And Paul says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Think about that. There's a lot of people grieving and they have no hope. When we lose a loved one, we grieve and we hurt. But you better believe it. I am not hopeless. I know <laughs> where they are and I know that I get to see them again someday. But nevertheless, there are people, and I can't imagine it, but they have to grieve with no hope that they will ever be together again. 
And so verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. What? And now we're getting into the sci-fi stuff. That, that You mean my loved ones that have died are coming back with Jesus? We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Well, their spirits are already there. And so for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. And we're going to hear that. You understand that, right? You as a born again Christian, you are going to hear the shout from the Lord. Hey, let's go. I don't know what he's going to say, but my gosh, I'm ready to hear it. And then with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds. What are we going to do? We're going to meet the Lord in the air. What's going to happen next? Then we will be with the Lord forever. Forever. Amen. And so what do you, what is it Paul want us to do? He says, so encourage each other with these words. Now, there's a, there's a lot wrapped up right there. But he tells us there in verse 14 that when he returns, he's bringing back the Christians who have already died and gone to heaven. And so, you know, lest you have any confusion there, you realize that when somebody dies, their body stays here on earth, right? It didn't go anywhere. And so we, we have a service, a memorial, and, and, and we bury the body or whatnot. And the body stays here, but you've got to realize that inside of you is your spirit. That's the real you. And don't get confused because everybody, they're all, you know, they only uh, focus on the part of them that they can see. That's a terrible mistake. You should focus a whole lot more on the inside of you that maybe you can't see, but that part's going to live forever. That's, that's going to be here uh, 200 years from now. Your spirit, it still exists. This body may be gone, but the, the real you is on the inside. And so what happens to somebody that's a Christian that dies? Well, their spirit goes to heaven with Jesus. And their body stays here on earth. But at this last day, when we hear that shout from heaven and we hear the trumpet call of God, what's going to happen? Their spirit is going to descend from heaven and their body is going to rise from the grave and they're going to meet each other in the air. And then we who are alive and remain will get caught up together with them and meet Jesus in the air. Now, the scripture refers to this, at this point, here's a game changer, okay? And I'm going to show you this, but it talks about us having what the scripture calls a glorified body or the New Living Translation, which I'm reading, says a spiritual body. And whether you are, have been dead already or whether you never died, because get it, there's going to be some people who just never experience physical death. And by the way things are looking in the world around us, I would say a lot of us in this room will probably not experience an actual physical death. We will be raptured and not ever have to go through that. But either way, even if we do, death doesn't have to scare us uh, because we've got Jesus. But anyhow, 
what's going to happen is we get this glorified body, and in, in this body, this is what you're going to live in forever from this point. And this body, it, it, it's, it knows no sickness. It knows no pain. It knows no sorrow. Amen? It doesn't age. It doesn't get any worse. It's glorified. And in fact, as after Jesus rose from the dead, if you look at the end of the four Gospels, he was in what we call this glorified body at this point. And he was doing things like just walking through walls and stuff. The disciples are sitting there having dinner, and then boom, Jesus appears. And I'm like, dude, you better watch out because I'm going to get some of you when that happens. Amen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to this, man, this glorified body. But praise God. Uh, it's going to happen. And even though all that's cool, the most exciting thing of this so far is this, is that, check it out, we will be reunited with our Christian loved ones who died before us. We're going to be reunited with our Christian loved ones, those that received Jesus as Lord and Savior. We will be reunited, and I just got to be real. I'm very excited about this moment. There are people that I want to see again. There are people that I want to talk to and, and ask questions to and, and be reunited with and make no mistake about it, this day is coming, and it's a lot closer than it used to be. Uh, you know, I've probably got relatives and ancestors that I don't even know about, but I cannot wait to meet them and talk to them and, 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 and get reunited. So how many people in here, you've maybe got a loved one that's already died and you'd like to see him again? I've got some. And what I'm talking about isn't made up. This is the real thing. This is going to happen. And what does this do? This encourages me and this really ignites the fire within me that I need to live for Jesus. I don't want to miss out on this. I need to give my heart to Jesus and never take it back again. I don't want to give it and take it back. No, I'm not. No, listen, I want to give my heart to Jesus and I want to live for him all the way to the end and never look back. There are things that I do not want to miss out on. Make no mistake about it. And so I want you to look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Are you still with me today? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And, uh, and so this is, again, the Apostle Paul writing to the Church of Corinth. Uh, how many have been here for our Wednesday night Bible studies where we've been studying the whole book of 1 Corinthians? That has been a wild ride. My gosh, wow. Yeah, Corinthians, what a book. It, uh, anyway, I don't have time to go into all that, but they were a wild bunch of people, my friends. And so Paul had to write this whole letter to them and be like, you all need to calm down, all right? You need to quit acting like fools over there. But one thing that he addresses uh, to the Corinthians is the very end of time, the rapture, and, uh, and what's going to happen at the end. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to look here at verses 40 through 44, and he addresses this whole glorified body thing or this whole spiritual body thing. And so 1 Corinthians 15, verse 40, he says, There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. Now check it out. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die 
but they will be raised. What's going to happen? To live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in what? Glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. Maybe you lost a loved one and they were weak, they were sick, they were broken when they died and when they were buried, but you better not get used to seeing them like that. They ain't going to be like that the next time you see them. They're going to be raised in glory. And so they are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as what? Spiritual bodies. For just as there's natural bodies, there's also spiritual bodies. Now, Paul uses the example of a seed being planted into the ground right here. And he says, when you die and are buried, then that's just you're, you're being planted into the ground. And at just the right time, you ever planted a seed, anybody? We planted some seed and you put it into the ground. And you're like, man, well, I guess that's gone now because you can't see it. And sometimes, you know, we've lost a loved one and, and they're buried. Like, well, I guess they're gone. You just can't see them right now. But check it out. Listen, Paul said, at just the right time, that is going to break through the ground. Amen. That seed's going to break through. And then the real life begins. The real life begins. And I mean, some of you don't get this, but hopefully most of you do. Our real life is not on this earth. In fact, Paul said it this way. My real life is in heaven with Christ and with God. And so you may live down here, if you're fortunate, 100 years. And people are like, oh, my goodness, a 100-year-old person. Wow. You realize that that is like nothing in eternity, that you're going to live in heaven if you've received Jesus. You're going to be in heaven for a million years, a billion years, a trillion years, a zillion years, for all of eternity. Why would you get so caught up with your 70, 80, 90, 100 years down here? It is a drop in the bucket for what's really to come. This life is nothing more than a dress rehearsal. This is just practice for when we get to heaven. That's why every Sunday I want to be in God's house practicing for the real celebration. I want to be at the altar of God. Amen. Because John saw a vision and wrote this book called Revelation. And he said that in heaven, he got to see the throne room of God. And at the altar, there was a sea of faces from every nation, tribe and tongue, from every color, from every every nationality in the world. He saw a sea of faces before God's altar, bowing down and worshiping the Lamb of God. And I'm like, hey, I want to worship Jesus now. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven. I'm going to show up at the house of God and worship at his altar every chance I get. I wish someone was excited about heaven today like I am, man. I've had this built up in me, man. And so look at verses 51 through 55. Verses 51 through 55. And so you need to realize when you get a revelation of heaven, all the things in this earth quit mattering. Yeah, but they don't agree with my politics. I don't even care anymore. Yeah, they like a different football team than me. I couldn't possibly care any less. Well, they make more money. They've got a nicer car. I could not care any less. I couldn't, literally. I'm not even just using it as a phrase. I literally couldn't care any less than, than about these things because I realized that when I get to heaven, it is not going to matter one single bit. 
verse 51, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. Not everybody's going to face this physical death, but we will all be transformed. You seen the movie Transformers? I haven't, but I hear, I've heard about it, okay? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a sci-fi guy, and, you know, you can laugh all you want. I like comedies. It's got to be funny or I can't watch it. But anyway, not a, not a sci-fi guy, but I do know that you transform from one thing into another, and let me tell you, you're going to see the real deal in the sky someday. <laughs> There's going to be a transformation. Verse 52, it will happen, how quick, in a moment. In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. There it is. Well, why would he even have to transform my body if I'm already alive still? Because you've got to get yourself a body that will never die. The body you live in now, it was designed, it has a starting point and an end point. You've got an expiration date. I don't like to think about that so much. Well, everybody's going to die someday. It's just a fact of the matter. It's going to happen someday uh, because these things do not last forever. But these bodies will not die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Amen. And so, death for the Christian has lost its sting. Why? Because it cannot beat us. Paul said it this way, well, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so either way, I win. If I live on this earth for another hundred years, I win. If I die tomorrow, I win. Because in Jesus Christ, I always win. Whether I'm in this earth or whether I'm in heaven, I win. Now, how does it say the rapture is going to take place? You need to get this, that it's going to take place really fast. Your King James Version is going to say, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Now, these, some of the other translations say, in the blink of an eye. Now, that's really fast. Imagine we're all sitting here, you blink, and then everybody's gone. Hopefully, you're not left, but, you know, for some people, that will be the case. <laughs> but uh, check it out. All of a sudden, everyone's gone. Like, whoa, how could they have all done that? I, I mean, nobody can move that fast. And, and, and it's going to happen in the moment, in the twinkle of an eye, in the blink of an eye. And that's, I mean, that's mind-blowing to me. That's just incomprehensible how that many people could be snatched just like that and be totally gone off of the face of the earth. Now, for any of this to make sense, you've got to pause for a minute and begin to try to comprehend how big and powerful the Lord is because you have no idea. And I have no idea how big and powerful he is. But I do know this much. Isaiah wrote about how big God is and said he can fit all the waters of the earth in the palm of his hand. Like, that's a big hand. Imagine, you know, somebody up here had, had a hand that was like as tall as this light post. I'm like, that is a big hand. Wow, <laughs> that's a big hand. But, I mean, God's hand is so big, 
He can hold all the waters of the earth right in the palm of his hand. Isaiah went on to write and say that God is so big, he can use the mountains of the earth just like little stepping stones. Mount Everest is 29,029 feet tall, and for God, he's just like, oh, there's a little pebble over there. I mean, it's nothing at all. God is super, super, incomprehensibly big and powerful. And so when he goes to snatch something, it's going to be fast, and it is going to be extremely, extremely powerful. It's beyond our comprehension. And then so, again, the way that I see it is that, man, you ever, I've seen these videos on YouTube. Maybe someone, you know, uh, the subway's coming and a little kid's down there and someone just snatches them real quick. Uh, whoa, that was fast and that was violent, but it, wow, he rescued them in the nick of time. I believe that that's what's going to happen to us, that the real danger gets closer and closer, and right before it happens, we are snatched out of here, and we avoid it altogether. And so that brings me to point number two, and it's this. Some people are left behind. Now, here's where you're like, well, I don't like to think about that, and I don't agree with that. I only agree with happy things. Well, uh, this is a sobering thing to think about, but it's still true that some people are left behind. And I don't want to even say what I'm getting ready to say, but it's the truth. Not everybody goes to heaven. Not everybody goes. I'd like it if they did, but the truth is that not everybody goes. But another great truth is this. Everybody can go. It's not some exclusive list like before, you know, God's up in heaven like, well, I like him, so he's on my list, he's on my list. No, the choice isn't only up to him. The choice is up to us. In fact, Peter said it this way, God is not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody to receive him and go to heaven. But the truth of the matter is this, that not everybody makes that choice. And so there will be people left behind that there's some that just flat out rejected Jesus in word and in action, right? There's plenty of people like, I don't need that stuff. Keep that away from me. You know, they'll curse God. I see this. They'll, you know, they'll try to flip heaven off or something and they will curse the name. So, yeah, obviously I would not say somebody in that category just, you know, well, I know, but I really liked it even though he cursed. No, that person, uh, they're not going. But even more scary to me is this, is that there will be some who knew the right words to say, but they rejected him by their actions. And the scripture referred to this as maybe a, a backslider, that's the Bible word, and even a lukewarm Christian. They knew all the right words, but we know this much of the saying we use, actions speak louder than words. And it's one thing to say all the time, yeah, I love the Lord. I hate people. I love the Lord. I fight everybody. I hate everybody. I start trouble everywhere I go. I curse people that were made in the image of God. James talked about that. He said, what a shame that the same mouth that's singing praises to God in here. Lord, you're faithful. Then he'd walk out those doors and curse somebody that God made. Oh, no, but I love the Lord, so you better check yourself before you what? wreck yourself. Because it's coming, brother. <laughs> we need to get a hold of some things. So Matthew chapter 7, go with me, please. Matthew chapter 7, and I feel that uh, a call and an urgency 
for me in, you know, this uh, this season of life is to do everything I can to get lukewarm Christians to wake up because it's getting real. It's getting real. There ain't no time for games anymore. And so Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 21 through 23. And are, again, are we here to be doom and gloom? Are we here to make somebody feel condemned? No, we're here to say there's hope, but you need to make some changes. Because I've been in situations where I've been flat out wrong. And I was not where I needed to be with the Lord. And I'm glad that people love me enough to say, hey, man, knock that off. You know better than that. Get it together, man. Come on. And it doesn't always make you happy. Sometimes the truth hurts, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true. And we need to, and the truth will set you free when you know the truth. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Now here's something interesting that Jesus uh, said. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Wow. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. And I can imagine people, you know, man, I donated to the Red Cross. I fed all the homeless. I did this. I, I, I knew all the right words to say. But what's going to happen? I will reply, I never knew you. Who are you? Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, it's, uh, it's obviously not a, if you want to be popular and well-liked, I wouldn't go around quoting that verse to people. You know, I would <laughs> get a little bit more of a fuzzy one. But that's the truth from God's word. There w and this is, I mean, this is a terrifying to me. But there's going to be people, like, they're going to show up on Judgment Day, and, and, and he's going to say, wait a minute, wait, um, who are you? Well, I'm the guy that down there, I donated, and I did this, and I coached the Little League team, and I, you know, and, and I, I, I did this, and I did this, and I, I posted scriptures at least once, twice a month on Facebook. I mean, and, and I did this, and I, and, and, and I, and he's going to say, huh? Who are you? I never knew you. Get away. And no one wants to think about that, but it's the truth. Those are words in red. Jesus Christ himself said that. And so what does that do to me? Does that make me angry at Jesus? No, that says, I want to live for Jesus 100%. I do not want to hear that conversation. Because yet again, there's another group that show up in heaven on Judgment Day. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I told you to do. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. And that's what I'm talking about right there. That's the conversation that we want to have. And so let's look over at Matthew chapter 24. We still having fun? All right. Matthew 24. So what we just looked at are people who talked the talk, but they didn't walk the walk. Now, I'd rather have somebody that lives like a Christian but doesn't broadcast it to everybody all the time. I'd rather have somebody that at least walks the walk than somebody that knows all the right words but never actually lives it. That's a deceived person, according to James 1.22. But Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look here at verses 40 through 41. Matthew chapter 24, verses 40 through 41. And here's where it's going to get real, okay? And, I, you know, again, as I'm saying that, not everybody goes. Everybody that lives for Jesus and has received him, they go. 
you if you have received Jesus and you are living, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not talking about perfect. We're talking about being right with God and acting like it. Check it out. You've got nothing to be afraid of. You are going to heaven when this thing happens. Let me emphasize. Don't don't even don't even lose any sleep about this. But somebody that's just on the fence, doing their thing, when they're in the mood. Matthew 24, verse 40. Two men will be working in the field. One will be taken, the other left behind. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left behind. Like, wow, that sounds, I mean, imagine you're out there at Fort Irwin doing your thing, working. All of a sudden, like, whoa, where'd he go? Where's my co? Where's she at? What? Hey, really funny. Where'd you go? All right, knock it off. Come on back out. What's going on? One's going to be left. The other is going to be gone. Now, to take it a step further, I want you to look at Luke chapter 17. Remember, this is a parallel passage to Matthew 24 and Mark 13. But Luke chapter 17, verses 34 through 37. And, and you know, I, I've tried to imagine what this moment is going to be like. And I'm very confident that I'm not going to experience it because I'm going to be gone. And, and so are you. Amen? You're going to go, right? So Matthew, or excuse me, Luke chapter 17, verses 34 through 37. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. A husband and wife is what I'm thinking of. One will be taken, the other gone two women will be grinding flour together at the mill one taken the other left well where will this happen lord the disciples asked jesus replied just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby so these signs indicate that the end is near so when's this moment going to happen well nobody knows exactly but i am smart enough to know this that when I see vultures flying around the desert sky in a circle, I know that, well, man, there's, there's something dead over there. When I see all these things Jesus talked about beginning to happen, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my, I heard about this. I've been told this for over 30 years, and now it's actually happening. Then you'll know that the end is near. Now, none of us know how many people will be gone. Let's just assume, and I don't think this is an accurate figure, assume 50% of the earth's population was gone. I, I don't think it's going to be that high. I think it's going to be a lot less than that. But imagine just for argument's sake that 50% of people are instantly gone in a moment. What in the world is that going to do to the global economy? What's that going to do to the global workforce? What's that going to do to families? Imagine at this moment when they're all gone, some Christians are going to be driving their car down the 405 freeway at 80 miles an hour, and whoa, you've got unmanned vehicles all over the place crashing and flipping and burning. And again, I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just saying, imagine for a minute what it'd be like that you were on Southwest Airlines flight number what, 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 and all of a sudden your pilots were born again Christians, and all of a sudden they're gone. There's unmanned planes in the air. There's, you know, just what in the world is going to happen on earth when this moment happens and a large percentage of the population is all of a sudden gone? 
Think of all the businesses that will start closing down right away within a week, within a couple of days. Just they're gone. They don't have enough workers anymore. I can tell you this much, Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby, they're out of here, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> they are way too Christian. There's no way that they'll sustain a workable force. They're gone. So anyway, you know, get yours now because it's gone soon, brother. It's gone soon. My wife went into Hobby Lobby this week. A lot of you men are already grunting, but she went in there and uh, she calls me. She's like, I have never been so happy in my life. She's hanging out in the floral section. She's like, so they started playing instrumental hymns, and she's just like, you know. They talk about the different forms of hand raising. You know, you got like what, the goalpost. Touchdown. She was doing the, the window washer. So anyway, she's not in here to defend herself, so she'll be back. This conversation never happened, people, okay? So at the same time, you know, she's just having her moment right there, okay? And, and think about the businesses that are going to be gone. Instant chaos, instant. I remember I was, uh, uh, when 9-11 happened, I was uh, 16 years old, I think. And I remember watching the news that night and the next, se- well, the next several days, and there's all these people with pictures in front of the cameras and saying, hey, this is my son. If you see him, have him call me. Tell him to call mom. Or do you guys remember this? Uh, anybody? And, and somebody like, that, my daughter, she's missing. We can't find her. If you see her, have her call us. My, 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 we can't find dad. If, if you see this man, just tell him. We just want to know he's okay. Tell him to call home. I'm thinking, what in the world is it going to be like when there's a couple billion people gone? People are trying to, hey, if you've seen him, please, I just want to know he's okay. Tell him to call. Tell her to call, tell her to call her parents. We want to know where she's at. There's going to be a lot of people gone and nobody to answer the questions. This is something, I don't care if you want to hear this, you at least need to think about this for a few minutes. You at least need to think about this stuff. And one thing that just tears my heart is you realize there's going to be a lot of parents that their children are gone. Moms and dads, that their kids are gone. They are missing, and there's going to be, I I don't even want to imagine, they're going to be crying and weeping and all this stuff. They're gone. Why is that? Kids will automatically go to heaven. I'm going to say that now. Kids are going to automatically go to heaven, Matthew 18.10. They are angels are always in the presence of my father, Jesus said. Kids are going. Whether mom and dad were complete fools or not, whether mom and dad uh, talked about it but didn't live it or not, those kids are going to heaven. And they'll be in the presence of Jesus, so, you know, they're, they're going to be fine. But there's going to be parents down here. I imagine somebody that their kids were taken and now their husband was taken, but she was left behind right here. And that, what a, I mean, what a. What a thing to even begin to comprehend. We're trying to scare you. I'm not trying to scare you, but if I didn't do you the favor of at least giving you a little bit of a warning, I would not be a man of God. I'm telling you, you better think about some of this stuff, man, because it's happening. Jesus said a man and wife asleep in bed, and then one's gone. The other is left behind. And so kids, they go to heaven. I'll tell you now, heaven is full of kids. And in hell, there are no kids. 
And that's one reason I love our church so much, because we got about an equal number of kids to adults. We love your kids. Whether you like them all the time or not, doesn't matter. Bring them in. We love them. We love them, and they need to be here. But I like to hear the, I, those kids are up there making noise and rowdy right now. And, and uh, you know, to us here, some people are like, man, shut the kids down. I'm like, man, let them have fun. I hope they make some noise because if you don't like the noise of kids playing, you're probably not going to like heaven. If you don't like the noise of people shouting praises to Jesus, you're probably not going to like heaven. If you don't like some noise, heaven's noisy. But it's beautiful, and you don't want to miss it. And the third thing I'm going to say today is this. What's going to happen? The Christians will meet Jesus in the air. There's going to be a reunion, and it's going to be like nothing we've ever seen or experienced before. And then we know, sadly, some people will be left behind. But then number three, I'm not going to go into detail on this, but the tribulation begins. After you are snatched out of the way, a period of history begins that is called the tribulation. And uh, I believe that we're going to be snatched out of the way when that happens. But, you know, one thing that's hard for a lot of us to comprehend, and it's even hard for me, but I've got to accept the scripture on this, even though to to my understanding and heart, I just have a hard time comprehending this. But we are told that the tribulation, we think that, man, that's when the devil just comes and really messes everybody up. Well, the devil will do a lot of bad things, but honestly, the tribulation, it's the wrath of God. It's not the wrath of the devil. And there comes a point where the Lord will judge the earth, and he'll judge the people that rejected him and scoffed him and mocked him, or maybe were just lukewarm and, and, and walked away. Now, we're not a church that focuses on God's wrath and anger. What's, if you're a member here, you know, what does John 10, 10 say, people? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give him life and life more abundantly. We focus on the goodness of God 99% of the time. But there is a truth in Scripture, uh, and just for reference sake, I don't have time to go there, but Revelation 6, 16 and 17, 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, this tribulation, it's not the devil totally having his way. It's the wrath of God being poured out. And I don't even want to talk about that, but it, it, it is the truth. Now, there's different thoughts on when the rapture will take place. If you've been a Christian for very long, you've heard some of the debates. I am a post-tribulation believer. I am a pre-tribulation believer. I am a mid-tribulation believer. I'm like, hey, you can argue all day about when it is. Okay, when the rapture is going to take place, if it's after the tribulation, which you would be wrong, it's middle of the tribulation, which, you know, whatever. But uh, the truth of the matter is it's going to happen. And I believe and I would say that our church believes in a pre-tribulation rapture where when all the bad stuff happens, the real Christians, they get snatched out before it really gets bad. Well, you're just a weenie. You're an escapist. And people, you know, man, you can call me every name you want. (laughs) But I won't be here. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You can go. You can go on the second load. You can go on the third load. I'm going on the first trip. And you can stick around to tell me if if you were a postal. I don't care, man. I'll be in heaven. You catch up to me when you get up there. And we'll talk. Amen. We will talk. But check it out. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 
Are you still with me today? 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, I've got a lot of biblical reasons. I would believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. I can't list all those right now. But one thing that's for certain that uh, we are the bride of Christ. We saw that in Matthew 25, that we are the bride of Christ. Well, when the rapture happens, there's an event called the marriage supper of the Lamb that's taking place while the tribulation's going on down here on earth. Well, how can you be partaking in, you know, the tribulation and everything and be at the marriage supper of the Lamb at the same time? You can't. You're one or the other. You know, if you want to be down here for Mr. Antichrist and stuff, I mean, hey, do not let me stop you. You do your thing. I'm going to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I choose to be in heaven at that time. But another big reason is this, what I'm getting ready to read, is that you as a Christian, you were not, a, a, the, the King James says, you were not appointed unto wrath. Now, the New Living Translation says that, that you were not chosen for God's anger to be poured out on you. And that's a newer way of wording it. But check it out. We're almost done here. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 11, it says, But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Listen, I don't know when it's happening, but I'm not going to be shocked and say, Oh, it actually happened. I didn't think it was going to really happen. <laughs> wow. I'm, no, I'm not going to be surprised. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So what do I need to do? So be on your guard, not asleep like others. There are others that they may even say they're a Christian, but they are fast asleep. What do you need to do? Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night's the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Who in here, you are born again. You are saved. You belong to Jesus. I'm telling you right now, you've got the helmet of salvation on. What happens now? Verse 9. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive when he returns, we'll live with him forever. What do we do? So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. And so everything I've said today, man, this has been burning on the inside of my heart all week long. I could barely sleep thinking about this. And there's so much more, man, that I just I don't have time to talk about right now. But this thing called the rapture, called the catching away, whatever phrase you want to use, it's going to happen whether you believe in it or not. And why would I even say that? Because there's been thing after thing after thing the Bible said would happen. And I've known people, ain't going to happen. That's never going to happen. The Cold War's over. Quit talking about Russia. I'm like, no, but I'm pretty sure that Daniel 11 makes it clear. Then all of a sudden, it happened. Thing after thing after thing. You know? talking about the, the scripture talks about these end time famines and stuff and i'm like man not now no we're way beyond that we are sophisticated we are can outsmart any of that then i'm watching the news and they're like man half of europe's crops didn't even get planted this year because of this whole thing 
and they're predicting an international food crisis by the end of this year. And I'm like, again, I'm not trying to scare people, but I'm like, wow, it could actually happen. And, and they're talking to what other nation than to Israel. Hey, man, can you guys help us out? Can you guys, you know, uh, uh, can you guys, uh, uh, can, can you help Ukraine out? Can you, and, and, and they're somehow, some way, the tiniest little country on earth is getting pulled in just like Jesus said it would happen. If you're asleep, right, if you can't see it, come on, church, wake up. The day's coming. Someone's going to be left. Someone's going to go. You've got to be ready. And don't say when you get there, you cannot say at this point, well, the church, uh, the pastor Dave didn't, it's not fair, he didn't tell us. He didn't warn us. I have been waving the flag for five weeks now, people. I'm trying my best. Get ready. It's happening, and it's happening really, really, really soon. Don't get left behind. Can you please stand up with me today? Amen. Can you stand up with me today? Hallelujah. I, I pray that you receive the word even if you didn't like it. I pray that you receive it. <laughs> even if you don't like me anymore, I can, you know, I can live with that. I've got plenty of people that don't like me anymore. That's fine. But what I got to know is this, is that you have Jesus in your heart. And what we're getting ready to do here in a minute is we're going to have a time of holy communion. And to take communion with us, you do not have to be a member of this church. No. Uh, but you do have to be a member of the body of Christ. you got to be a Christian. Well, why am I saying that? I'm doing that for your protection. I'm doing that to, to help protect you. In uh, 1 Corinthians 11, it talks about there's people that they take the Lord's Supper, they take communion unworthily, and they, they bring harm into their lives by doing so. And, uh, and I don't want that, but I want today, as we've talked about this rapture, as we've talked about the coming again of Jesus, I want everybody in here to be able to, with a clear heart, take communion and look their eyes to the sky and say, man, I'm ready for this whole thing. But what we got to do right now is if you're here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've never had a relationship with him. I'm not here to point at you and make fun of you. I'm here to say, man, let's fix this problem now. Or maybe you're here, and at one point you did have a relationship with Jesus, and you kind of walked away, you let go. He didn't let go of you, but you did let go of him. We're not here to point and make fun. We're here to say, come home. Let's get this fixed right now. Don't go out those doors without knowing in your heart that you're right with Jesus. What I want to do right now is I want to lead you in a prayer, and then I'm going to ask that you have a moment where you publicly acknowledge Jesus and you say, yeah, man, I believe it. and I'm not ashamed of it. We're going to give you that chance because you have to acknowledge Jesus in front of people. If you're ashamed of him here in this friendly atmosphere, what are you going to do out there in the real world? Let's pray together. Say this with me, please. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you now. Give me the strength to never let go. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you did pray that with me, you know, maybe you've prayed that type of thing a thousand times. I don't care about those times. I care about today. I'm not living in the past. I'm living in the present and looking forward to the future. But if you prayed that and you're like, you know what, today's the day that I reconnected the relationship with Jesus, you do need to let one of us know. And so I'm going to ask my friend Jose, can you come over here, please, Jose? If you prayed that today, we're getting ready to come up and take communion together. But what I need you to do is I need you to go tell Jose for me. And what he's going to do with your permission is he would get your name and number. And what we would do is we would set you up this week. If you're a lady, I'll have a, one of the ladies from the church maybe send you a text and, and uh, encourage you and give you some Bible verses. And if you're okay with it, we would take 30 days to help you get you a verse and a prayer every day to get you on the right track. If you're a man, we would do the same thing for you, but we'd have a man text you. And so if you prayed that today and you made that reconnection with Jesus, I really ask you to please go let Jose know that so we can do the right thing and get you ready for Jesus coming back. Amen. What I'm going to do right now is everybody that is a born-again Christian, uh, we're going to come up and get our communion elements. And I think it would be fine if you hung around at the altar today. If there's room, there's a lot of people here. But if there's room, uh, hang out at the altar and take communion up here. If not, you can go back to your seats. Let's go.
Hopefully everybody got some communion elements here. Now I, I remind you that this is not just something we do because it's our tradition. This is not just, you know, something that we do for kicks. This is a very serious moment, very serious. Anytime that we take communion, it's a holy and powerful moment. And, uh, and, and really, I mean, it, it's what it's all about, the blood of Jesus. And so I want to read a couple of verses to you here today. Out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. And I don't want to preach right now, but before Jesus came, nobody could go into the most holy place of the temple except the priest, and he could only do it one time a year. But now, because of Jesus, the high priest, anybody can go boldly into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. There is nothing keeping you out from getting in there with Jesus. You can go into the most holy place anytime you want. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, check it out, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with the pure water. And so if you're in here today and you're like, man, I just feel so guilty, knock it off. Stop that. If you have received Jesus, if you've repented, if you have been washed of your sins, you are not guilty. You are not dirty. You are not a punk. You are not a loser. You are not some reprobate. You are a daughter of the Most High God. You're a son of God. You belong in the most holy place in heaven. So that guilty conscience, if, I'm talking about if, you've received Jesus, and if you've repented of those sins, your guilty conscience has been sprinkled, not just with a little Windex. We didn't lice all that down. No, the blood of Jesus Christ washed your sins away. You're clean. We need to live like it. 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, we're going to look here at verse 27. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy way is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So I'm asking you today to examine yourself, to judge yourself before we take this communion and say, Lord, if, hey, if I need to repent of something, I'll do it right now. If I need to change something, I'll do it right now. This is your moment to talk to God and do some business that needs done. So I'm not going to tell you what to do or say. That's between you and God. But let's take a moment here to examine ourselves. We want to be ready for this rapture.
know, a verse you ought to know is 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so maybe you messed up, but thank God he's faithful. You confess it to him and leave it, let it go. He will forgive you and cleanse you every single time. He is a good God. Amen. So I'm going to read here what Paul said. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so we take this bread today and we do this to remember Jesus' body being broken so we could have peace in this life and healing in this life. In Jesus' name. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. There it is. Until he comes again, which he's doing very soon. But as we take this juice today... This represents his blood. And we're saying, Jesus, we didn't forget about it. We know what you did, and we thank you. Let's do this. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, if you're here and you need prayer for something, I'm going to quickly have my prayer team come up. You can hang out at the altar, whatever you want to do. Um, I'm going to have my prayer team come up. If you're here and you need prayer for anything, I ask that you don't hesitate, that you come up. We will pray for you if you need healing. If your marriage is a wreck, hey, we got you. If your kids are acting a fool, we've got you. If you need prayer for anything at all, please come forward and let us pray with you today, and we will dismiss here in just a minute. If you don't need prayer, I would highly encourage you to worship the Lord right from where you're at. Amen. Let's not leave yet, but let's hang out. Amen. Let's go.
right. Well, I, I pray that you receive from the Word of God today. Amen. Anybody receive that Word about, about heaven? Hallelujah. What a good time that we have had. So we want to encourage you on a few things. There's service tonight at uh, 6 o'clock. Pastor's talking about how you're family, how your house can be like heaven on earth. And so if you're like, man, we've had a rocky household lately, come tonight. We're trying to help you out. Amen. And I also want to remind you that tonight's the last night of the intentional parenting class. So if you're here for that, I think they're having a little get together beforehand. So I think they said be here at 3.30 for that. If I'm wrong, I'm right. Okay, I'm right. Okay. So be here if you're in the parenting class. And uh, I highly encourage you, my final thing, I promise to let you go. I don't want everybody beating you down to the restaurant. I know you got to get over there. Uh, actually, I um, want to remind you, please grab some invitations to the Easter service. Invite somebody. Get them in here. And maybe a lot of times people are like, I'd like to tell people about Jesus, but I don't know the words to say. That's fine. Bring them in here and we'll tell them for you. Just get them in here. Amen. And we're going to tell them all about Jesus. Amen. And uh, softball players, their softball practice today at the high school. Amen. He's still my boy. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to, I need to read this to you today because uh, this is from Focus on the Family about some miracles that are taking place in Ukraine. You're not going to hear about these on the local news, but uh, this is from a missionary from Focus on the Families. One of their missionaries in Ukraine sent this word back. While you were praying for Ukraine, Many of the rockets shot into the country did not explode. While you were praying for Ukraine, the man run over by a Russian tank survived. While you were praying for Ukraine, Russian paratroopers coming in from Belarus were blown back by a very strong wind. While you were praying for Ukraine, God sent snow that covered the enemy's target. While you were praying for Ukraine, there was a storm in the Black Sea that didn't allow the Russian troops to land. So with saying all of this, I want to invite you to warfare prayer, Sunday nights, 5 o'clock in the kitchen, Tuesday mornings, 9.30 in the office. We go to war. We're not sitting there reading rote prayers that somebody wrote. We're digging into the Holy Ghost, and we're saying, Holy Ghost, help us to wage this war. And we wage it in the Spirit. So come on out. Amen. All right, everybody. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out in prayer today and speak some words of faith over our beautiful city of Barstow. And then we're going to have an awesome afternoon, all right? Let's raise our hands as we pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the Word of God today. And I know those things weren't put there to scare us. They were put there to prepare us, Lord. And I know that we in this room, we are ready for that day. We're ready for that trumpet. We're ready for heaven. Help us to do our part to get everybody ready in our lives. We love you and praise you. Use us this week to show the goodness of God everywhere we go. Protect these families, Lord. Bless these marriages. Bless these children. Bless these finances. Bless the health of our people, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We love you. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen today? Amen. All right, all right. Thomas, come on up. This is Thomas. Amen. He's going to close out and do our Barstow Faith Confession for us. Let's go. Yes. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. 
Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barca is healed. Barca is prospering. Barca is saved. Barca is strong. Barca is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barca is full of love, joy, and peace. Barca is full of the glory of God. Barca is coming to Jesus. Barca is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. See you tonight.